when you think loyal to the soil, what comes to mind? Mm, trust in the process, man. Loyal to the soil. You know where you came from. When, when that pops up into my head, I, I start to think of the whole, and this is something we learned in college football too, yeah. water the bamboo. Is different than the champagne, right? You know, kava like about? from Hawaii. No, 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 not like the root. Have you actually had the root? The I kava? haven't. I feel like I should have since we went to Hawaii in August, but I know about it, and people get like turned on that stuff. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's so, what the Mormons drink. Yeah. So playing football with a lot of the Polynesians and stuff, they call it mixing. Said, "Hey, let's mix." And so what they do is they get the five-gallon drum buckets from like Home Depot. They get a set of pantyhose. And they get the the root, and it's like dirt. And they stuff the the dirt into the pantyhose, and they tie it off, and they just knead it into the water until it just looks like muddy river water. And it tastes like it, too. It tastes horrible. So you have to chase it with Sour Patch Kids and Skittles and stuff. That's what they do. Sounds like a horrible college experience. But, yeah. <laughs> That's well, what it sounds like. Well, I, I thought it would be a good idea with my buddies. Like, well, let's add alcohol to this. It's the worst thing you could possibly do. Yeah. Because it already has some alcohol-like effects. You get a lot of, like, numbness and tingly in your mouth. Your yes. your tongue goes numb. You get a buzz off Why of it. Why do people do this, like, on purpose? <laughs> I know. It's like, like, well, it's like a ritual, you know, or it's like tradition yeah. in, within Polynesian culture, but... But no, I was saying because I, apparently with sham, champagne, it's only really champagne if it's, you know, the grapes are from Champagne, France. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's only proper champagne if it's uh-huh. made in France. And so the other stuff is called cava, too. Oh. Like anything outside Look of what that. I'm learning. Right? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually just learned that when we were at brunch because uh, like looking like an alcoholic, I was the only one who ordered a mimosa. No, then, you're the only one that brunched correctly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm That's saying. That's how you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. So I heard you talking a little bit about, Shelly, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Just go oh, out to eat? Yeah. No, we're going out to eat. I don't like Thanksgiving food. Really? I hate turkey. I think it's disgusting. Turkey's overrated, isn't it? It really is. Mm. And then it takes forever to cook it. And then if you mess it up, you've ruined the day. Exactly. So no, I'm good. I, I did one year, and I think it was last year, I did my grandmother's like entire spread. And that was exhausting. Did you do like a deep fry the turkey, bake it, or what? No, no, that's like the new age stuff, the deep frying. Uh, no, we did it in the oven like every 15 minutes. You baste it. And I'm tired. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm tired. So we're going out to eat. You want to know our, uh, our producer's um, Thanksgiving tradition? Yeah. You want to tell them? Tell me. Yo, I'm coming over after. I'm still hungry. <laughs> yeah, for those for those who didn't, yeah, for those who didn't hear that, uh, his family tradition is getting a bucket of Popeyes chicken, which is not bad. It's just it's different. But. Okay, here, let me ask you this: Popeyes or KFC? Really? Their biscuits are really good. Sure, it's from All right. Uh huh. Yeah. 
I don't blame you on that. Well, because I always thought it was weird because, you know, we lived together and he's like, I've never had stuffing before. What? And I was like, what do you mean you've never had stuffing? And then now it makes that sense. That <laughs> yeah. That's the only Thanksgiving food that I like is stuffing. Really? Stuffing's good. And I guess mashed potatoes, but you can, that's like not a Thanksgiving food. Yeah. Usually in Thanksgiving, my plate consists of, you know, like a little bit of the turkey. Um, then pretty much just mashed potatoes, stuffing, you know, the the sweet yams. Yeah, it's all, all the that good with stuff. The marshmallows on top. Yeah, exactly. It's all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow, the turkeys, yeah, turkey's overrated. It really is. Uh huh. I think I even think chicken's overrated though. Well, talking to the girl that eats too much chicken, so yeah, it depends. I have to be in the mood for chicken, but steak, I'm always down for that. Really? Yeah. Yes. Beef. I'm actually my favorite meat is actually pork. Really? Yeah. I'm big okay, on and then pork. I gotta make you one of my my pork recipes. I'll bring it in. Sounds good. That's good. I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. So we'll dive in a little bit more about you. Um, okay. Where are you from, Erin? I'm originally from Southern California. I feel like that's kind of a loaded question, though, because that's where I was born. But I've moved around a lot mm-hmm. because I was in the entertainment industry. So I've uh, and my mom always liked moving. It was like every two three years we were moving somewhere else. I didn't really know why. It was always in California, but. Uh, I was born and raised, I guess, uh, if you will, in uh, in Beverly Hills, and then I spent the most of my like childhood and then teen years in like Redondo Beach or Palos Verdes, California. Nice, yeah. It it is kind of a loaded question. How I consider where you grew up or where you're from is where you went to high school at. Okay, Palos Verdes. Palos Verdes, yeah. Because I feel like that's such an intricate, you know, part of your life and where you do a lot of growing and stuff. So I think like because people say like. Oh, I'm from, you know, Montana or something. It was like, you, well, you were born there and you moved when you were three. So yeah. I, I guess, I don't know. I just classify it as like where you spent the most time, you know? Yeah. Okay. So Palos Verdes, California. Awesome. Awesome. And then how long did you live in California for? Oh, gosh. Let's see. I, I guess 17, 18 years. And then I moved to New York. Did you go to New York for school? or I did. I did. So I went to many colleges. <laughs> uh, at first, I went to Cal State Fullerton for a year. Well, went to is kind of loosely. You were enrolled described. there? I was enrolled, yeah. And I went to class when I felt like it. <laughs> uh, so then my mom saw that I wasn't doing so hot. And she said, you know, I don't think the school thing is really it's like your jam. So why don't we... Uh, put you in a uh, like a, an academy for for arts and musical theater. So I said, now that sounds like a good time because I can do eight hours of singing and dancing and mm-hmm. stuff all day long. So I auditioned for that, and it was the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, and it was in Hollywood. And uh, I got in, and I started that, and it was a two year program. And then their sister school was the New School University, which is in New York City. So my plan was to finish in a year and a half instead of the two years, and I did graduate and then move to to New York City and finish out my schooling there. Awesome. So did you finish out the schooling there in New York? Yeah. And what was the name of that? The New School University. University. Yeah, I know. People look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, that's what it's called. (laughs) That's awesome. What part of New York was that in? Was that like downtown? So they actually have seven different campuses, but where I spent most of my time was in like the downtown area. Um, Yeah, like in the village, 14th Street. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Was it, was it a big so cool. was it a big culture shock going from California or I hate California. <laughs> I re- I'm not like a beach girl. I'm not really? like I like the pool. 
I think the beach is dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I think my heart and my soul always wanted to be in New York because, you know, that's where all the theater was. So I think it was a culture shock again because I spent my, you know, entire life doing theater and touring and, and stuff like that. So sitting in a school for something that I was already doing professionally was it was it was hard. It was again. It was like the Cal State Fullerton thing. I was. At, I no. I went to a lot of of their classes, of course. But I really just wanted to go and audition. And mm-hmm. there are so many things that you know. You get this paper, and you're okay. This audition's here. This audition's here. Okay, I'm going to go there. And I mean, I'm like, why am I going to school for something that I can do? You know, right here. So, exactly. But yes, I did finish. <laughs> so, what was your big dream or vision when you you know were going to school in New York? Yeah, I wanted to be on Broadway. Oh, really? Yeah. I wanted to be on Broadway. Like, I guess every young kid now, or no, now I guess everyone wants to be on YouTube, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like the new new age of acting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sing and dance and perform on Broadway. Awesome. So how long were you in New York for? Five Just years. Five years? So yeah. what did you do after you finished schooling there? So I went back and forth between, I ended up finishing online because I got a job. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because if I, if I was in New York, I'd book something that was from, for L.A. Then if I was in L.A., I would book for something that was in New York. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I considered myself bi-coastal for a while. And, uh, yeah, I was in New York for five years on and off. And, yeah. That's awesome. So when you graduated, did you land, did you land some gigs? I did. I was things? 21, and that's when I started working for Disney Cruise Line. Oh, awesome. Yeah. A little too young, to be to be honest. Like, I look back now, and I'm like, wow, that was a really cool job. But I think I was too young to really appreciate it. So what were the duties or, like, what was your role with the cruise? So, oh, gosh, I hope there's not any kids watching this. But if there are, I was friends with Pocahontas. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you later what that means on okay. the record. But, um, yeah, so I was performing in their shows. They had three different shows, and uh, I was friends with Pocahontas and in one of their shows and then I was ensemble in in other shows okay. so it was fun awesome so why do you say you were a little bit too young to and I think I was too arrogant it. to really? be honest with you yeah I, I really didn't start to become humble until like a few years ago but I always thought like oh I'm better than this person I should be in that part mm. I mean like for years even up until when I was working out here in Vegas I was thinking stuff like that so I'm a lot more non-ego driven I guess that's good that's good though that you made that move um so after doing that so you were in New York for five years what was the next goal or destination (sighs) I went back to New York when that was done then I continued auditioning continued auditioning again and then I got Aladdin the musical spectacular at Disney's California Adventure so I was a Disney girl for a little while. And that was like two or three years. And I had auditioned for for Aladdin for like five years. Really? Yeah, I, I could just could not. They, I was like, I'm ready, I'm ready. They, they I was not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I finally got that, that was a good day. Yeah, how did you feel finally accomplishing that? Oh my gosh. Oh man. It, it was so like bittersweet. And then it was like, holy crap. I have some big shoes to pull because I play Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh, my goodness. This is crazy. I'm so excited. At that point, I was 23, 24. Uh, so, yeah, I think I was 24. I don't know. That's a long time ago, man. But, 
Yeah, it was it was really really cool, and I was really thrilled to be in such a great company. There was you know Broadway performers there, recording artists, so many cool people, and then it came with a lot of cool perks because you're in California, a lot of celebrities come in, mm-hmm. so you get to perform for all these celebrities and. Uh, Let's see who who did I get to meet? Like Courtney Cox, Arquette, she came. Really? Barry Bonds, that was fun. I realized how short I was when Barry Bonds came in. I was like, holy cow! Um, who else? I mean, just so many. Snoop Dogg and his really? whole family—they're very nice. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then to see the kids' faces are, is like seriously the best. Mm-hmm. So that part was fun. That's awesome. So how long did you play Jasmine? I played Jasmine for a year. The show went down for maintenance. Uh, and then I decided, I was like, you know what? I've worked for Disney for you know twice now. And for a year, I feel like that was kind of like the resume builder that I really wanted. And um, it's such a big company, you know, and if you work for them, I feel like you can work for anybody because they are, they're like legit <laughs> with yeah. their like rules and how, you, like, even though I was a performer, if I went into, into the park and you had to wear like your name badge or something. Like you have to know where stuff is. You can't say I don't know. I don't know is not an acceptable answer for Disney. So they hold. They have a high standard there. Extremely high standard, and it's something that I actually took with me into my, you know, real estate career now. And so many people actually will hire me because they saw that I worked for Disney, because they're like, okay, this girl, she's yeah, got her stuff got together. Yeah, things down. Standards yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So after you're no longer playing Jasmine, yep. that went down. What was what was the next move? The next step was uh, doing some like uh, local theater, and then I I did that, and then I started working for Carnival Cruise Lines. Okay, yeah, and that that was still all in California. Yeah, that was all in California. I was waitressing uh, on the side, and then doing some uh, some regional theater in California, and then people in that show I was doing a chorus line and people in that show were like you really should work for Carnival Cruise Line so let's make your tape and send it in so I did and then I got that job and that took me to where was my first uh Baltimore was our home port oh really yeah so we did that so did you have to live there in Baltimore or what was this so Baltimore was our home base so you know cruise lines have their you know like where they dock Mm -hmm. so Baltimore was our home base so every Sunday yeah I lived in Baltimore (laughs) But no, I, I lived on the ship in something that was probably as tiny as this table. Really? What what did you do on the on the cruise line? I was a production singer. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we did uh, three production shows. There was only two singers, so it was a male and a female. So I was the female singer. Awesome. Yeah. Do you like singing? Yeah, I did. I mean, I had a. I, I don't sing anymore. I uh, I've since had a vocal injury, so I can't anymore. But. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I loved performing. It was a really, really cool time in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. So how long did you do that for? I worked for Carnival for four years. Nice, nice. And then, then doing the singing? Yep, doing the singing, traveling, the Caribbean, uh, which sounds, you know, on surface level, it's really lovely. But cruise ships are a very lonely life. Really? I can see. Very. Yeah, you're super isolated, and um, you're spending eight, nine, ten months on you know sea with you know terrible internet access and like three channels so i got really good at like watching ncis (laughs) 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 yeah nice nice did it get old like did you guys follow the same destination path or so for let's see for one year i was on the same ship so that 
got really old, but I'm like a connoisseur of Nassau, Bahamas. So Chris wants to go there, my husband. So um, I'm like, okay, well, if we go to Nassau, I'm going to take you to all the good local stuff. Because yeah, I know, know I know everything. So he's like, okay, well, whatever. But um, yeah, so that was, that was the same run. And then when they offered me my final contract, because I knew I wanted to be done, they said, okay, where do you want to go? Do you want to go on this ship and do older shows but be out of New Orleans? Which I thought would have been really cool because I've never been there. Or do you want to do these shows and one of them is the same that you've been doing for the past, you know, three years, but you get to go to St. Thomas, St. Kitts, St. Lucia, St. Martin. I said, sign me up for that one. I want to do eight ports in like seven days. Yeah, so awesome. that was really cool. And that's how I ended my, my career with Carnival um, in those really, really beautiful ports. Oh, that's awesome. Fun. At least you got to experience those. I did. I did. So it's fun. So what was the next move after that? Vegas. Awesome. So what brought you to Vegas? So Vegas, let's see, I was done doing ships. I did New York. I did LA. Uh, I thought to myself, well, uh, let's go to Vegas. And I was dating somebody who was in the uh, technician department on Carnival. And so he wanted to work for Cirque. So I said, okay, well, I mean, this is like the entertainment capital, mm -hmm. you know, so let's go where you'll succeed and where hopefully I can crack a piece. And again, I came in with my ego <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get every show ever. Yeah, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> gotcha. What shows did you get? I ended up dancing, dancing, funny enough. I couldn't get a singing job. No one would hire me. <laughs> and uh, I ended up dancing in X Rocks which was at the Rio, which is now at Bally's, I think. And I was an original member of X Country, which is at Harris. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So how long did you do that for? Oh, I think, oh gosh. Now we're getting closer to where I am now, so I feel like I should know this. Um, I think I did that for two and a half, three years. Awesome. Yeah. So I obviously I know that you transitioned into real estate three years ago yeah. was there anything between the dancing and real estate or what brought you to real estate <laughs> um my husband getting tired of me getting treated like crap <laughs> essentially no so I in between and wh while I was dancing in those shows by the way I wasn't getting paid quite a bit of money at mm -hmm. all uh, in fact, it was like $120 a night, which is crazy. People think like, oh, these performers in Vegas are getting paid a lot. I think Cirque shows pay pretty well. I don't know. I never worked in one. But uh, I was actually cocktailing mm. at the same time at the Rio and still trying to like sing and still trying to do stuff like that and you know, try and, try and get a, a singing gig because that was really the ultimate goal. So I was cocktailing at the Rio as a bevertainer where every hour you stood up on a stage and felt like you embarrassed yourself and sang and danced and got looked at strangely. So that was that. Um, but what got me into real estate? I think I was just looking for, I crave like a nine to five, which is crazy coming from a performer world. Like you just, yeah. most usually it's the opposite. I know. People get stuck in the nine to five. I know, and but I'm really good with structure. Like if you give me a schedule, I'll follow it. But if you just say like, Oh, like whatever, it's my free spirit. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. So I craved something like that and then where I could really make a good living for myself because, you know, here's the thing. You can only dance or sing and do all this stuff for so long. You know, injuries come, you get older. Mm -hmm. and um, So I debated whether I was going to go to paralegal school 
for real estate school. And I thought to myself, okay, I really like law a lot. So I enrolled myself in this like online Arizona uh, paralegals program and I was kicking it. I was doing so good. And then when I realized how much you make as a paralegal, it's like $18 an hour. I said, this juice isn't worth the squeeze here. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, okay, I said, you know, maybe there's, you know, some kind of law or something that I can go into, you know, later in life or whatever. And then talking to Chris and hearing how the shows were, in, I, he felt like I wasn't being valued and that's fine. Uh, and he said, listen, you've always really liked real estate a lot. You watch all these shows online. You do all this stuff. I do it. You see how well I'm doing. Um, you know, why don't you just give it a go and see how you like it? And I said, okay. My first day in real estate school, like the first 10 minutes, I had Jimmy Dague, who I love to death. He does all of our CE, not all of them, but he does a lot of our CEs here. And like the first 10 minutes, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So it all all lined up. Yeah, yeah. Before I ask you any more questions about real estate, I did want to ask you, because you mentioned a little bit earlier your vocal injury. Yeah. What happened there? Uh, Well, to be completely honest with you, uh, as you know, I'm a a bodybuilder, and uh, I'm not a natural bodybuilder uh and you know it's it, people don't talk about that you know mm-hmm. steroid use and stuff like that but it's it's just my choice mm-hmm. and uh it happened like that really like it was so quick i was performing and and doing all of these uh shows and uh and then i remember doing a uh it's like a cabaret for one of my girlfriends she had me she was starring in this cabaret and she said will you come in and sing a few songs with me i said sure and I was like singing Led Zeppelin and Lady Gaga, Miranda Lambert, all this really cool stuff. And when I was singing that Led Zeppelin song, I was like, man, normally I can like wake up and sing this song. I said, wow, this is, this kind of hurts a little bit. This is so weird. And, and I just didn't really think anything of it. I was like, oh, like what? I just probably didn't warm up properly. And, uh, and then maybe like a week later, I was performing for Monday's Dark, which is a charity. And I woke up that morning for a sound check and I was like, I don't have nearly any of this vocal quality that I had before. This is crazy. That night ended up being my last performance because, like, the next day I woke up and I couldn't, like, sing, period. So, yeah, it was that. It was my choice. And you know what's funny? It's a blessing. I talk about this a lot because I I don't talk about my vocal injury a lot because whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people actually don't know why. It's Probably that's the first time I've ever, like, you know, besides Chris and mm-hmm. uh, he knows, but um, I'm glad it happened in the weirdest way because I still get offers from people that don't know to come and like star in their show and do stuff like that. So I feel like if I didn't have that injury and like God didn't take that away from me, um, I would still be playing, you know, I wouldn't be as successful in what I'm doing now because I'd probably be a part-time agent and uh-huh. Wanting so, to still be performing. So it was almost a blessing in disguise because then it fully gave you the full focus on being yeah. an agent, right? I mean, I, 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 yeah, I had nothing else really to fall back on, and my legs don't kick as high as they used to. So that's it. Gotcha. Yeah. So doing the bod- bodybuilding, I've seen you participate in competitions and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. How long has that been a, a passion for you? 2016 was when I decided I was going to do a show in the end of 2016, and I did my first show in 2017. Yeah. So not very long. Mm. I hated the gym. Really? I thought I was the devil. 
It was horrible. I was like, why do you people do this? <laughs> it was a waste of an hour. What what switch? Did you just like say, hey, I just want to do a competition and then? No, no. I uh, in late 2016, I was I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to, you know, shape up and you know look better. I mean, and you've seen my my man here, ridiculous looking. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, all right, I got to get on that level because. I can't be rolling around looking like I ate McDonald's three times a day because I, I was. His biceps are like as big as my head. It's, it's <laughs> so dumb. It's so dumb. So I started doing, you know, eating better and going mm-hmm. to the gym and doing stuff like that. And I just wasn't losing the weight. In fact, I was gaining weight. And I was tired all the time. And I was like, this is weird. So I'm going to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor and I got a blood test. And turns out I have an autoimmune disease and I had hypothyroidism, meaning that, you know, you just gain weight and nothing that you do. I mean, you can eat like chicken all day, every day, and it wouldn't matter. So they put me on levothyroxine and within like three months I had dropped quite a bit of weight. But in that time, I chose instead of to like wallow in my disease, like Mm -hmm. whatever, um, I was on the treadmill and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a competition. Like the furthest thing from like ever. I was like, let's get crazy lean and figure out, you know, what you could be. Uh, That is what I decided to do. And I I texted someone who I knew was a coach and I said, sign me up. Let's do it. We're going to do it. And that was the start of that. Awesome. So has it developed into a big passion of yours? Yeah. Not so much for the killer body that you do get uh for me it's about the journey it's really personal and I didn't know how much it was going to change my life until I did it I always looked at people that were close to me that did it and I said you guys are crazy what are you doing and then I did it myself and I said oh and that's where the ego took a big back seat and that's where I started uh really becoming who I am today so I, I like I said I needed to lose everything from my past. It's kind of like a rebirth, I guess. That's awesome. So it all like it all worked out. I think so. I think so. I mean, I still have my issues. But um yeah, I, I think I needed to like shed that skin of of my past and let it like really go away because otherwise I would have just been flip-flopping and Gotcha. trying to do two things. Does that have to do with why you said it was personal? The kind of journey through the competition well here's the thing and i think you could probably understand this because you went through manuel mm-hmm. um it breaks you down in ways that you don't even know it's a really lonely sport because you're dieting you're doing the cardio you're doing all of the weight lifting you're i mean all of this stuff and you're it's like c- constantly testing yourself mm-hmm. while you're trying to run your business and do whatever else you're trying to do. That's why there's a lot of um, bodybuilders and things like that, that that is their sole job. Because seriously, like you eat, sleep, gym, repeat, like that's what they do because it's really hard to do other things. So it tests you in a way where sometimes I even look back now and I've done three shows and I'm like, how did I do all of that and run a business and run a household and a team? I'm like, Man, it's hard to be there for everybody and try and give your yourself. Yeah. So it really shows you what's important in your life. Yeah, that's awesome. I have to agree because the commitment and everything you have to go through to get to contest ready is it it blows my mind. 
bananas. And, mm-hmm. and if you can do that and you can stay committed to something like that, you can you can do a lot of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, but again, I like look back and I go, "How'd I get there? How'd I do that?" But I always say this: motivation and determination are two totally different things. Because I was not motivated every day. I didn't want to eat every piece of chicken. I didn't want to eat every piece of rice and all of that. I didn't want to do that, but I was determined to get to my goal. And so I think that's that's a big takeaway from, you know, if someone was going to ask me like a blanket statement about, you know, how did you do it all? Mm-hmm. I like that. Motivation is different from determination. It is. It's very different. You know, you're not going to always succeed in every single thing that you do. And there's get, you're going to stumble along the way. Listen, I had cake on my prep. I had pizza on my prep. But was it really worth it? If I didn't have that, would I have gotten a better placement? I don't know. So it's like you're self-sabotaging yourself. Mm-hmm. It's That's really tough. not worth it. It's not. And it's crazy. And if you do it during the holidays, God bless you. Yeah. So how do you schedule your competitions? Do you not do around that? the holidays. <laughs> yeah, That's for sure. Yeah. No. So I was in bikini. There's a bunch of different divisions. So mm-hmm. bikini is kind of, <laughs> I like to call it the gateway. Uh, for women, if you go in and do a different division, good for you. Because bikini really, really was not the division for me for so many reasons. But, um, you know, you see all these girls on YouTube and Instagram and like how to get this really small waist and big glutes and all of that. It's like, that's what's saturated. So I saw that and I was like, yes, I want to have an extremely small waist. And then you look at yourself and you're like, it's not small enough. It's not small enough. It's not small enough. And and then you and you start comparing yourself because you cannot be walking around stage lean like on a normal day. No, like you can't do it. It's not realistic. It's not healthy. None of what you do on show day is healthy at all. Um, so yeah, that I'm sorry, I forgot what the credit. You said, oh, how do I schedule my yeah, um, it depends. Oh, so it depends on what I'm doing. So now I've moved away from the bikini division because being thin is not like my. That's not what I want to do. No, uh, yeah. For me, I think muscle is sexy and strong, and I think kind of like supported now. So I stepped it up a little bit. So now I'm in the figure division. So with that, I ha- you know muscle doesn't build overnight. Of course, like success, it doesn't build mm-hmm. overnight. I wish it did because, man, would that be easy. So um, I needed one year to fully try and, like, put on muscle, which means that eating a lot of food, which is kind of scary if you're coming from this, like, itty-bitty mm-hmm. division and you see yourself gaining weight and fat. and so, But it comes with it. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So would you say the the more muscular the figure division kind of more complements who you are than that bikini division? Now it does because I see myself now as a really strong, determined woman now. I mean, it took me a while to get here, but um, I'm glad I did. Yeah, I would think so. And it's really not about like how small can you get yourself. It's It, it, takes, uh, it takes a lot of work to do any of them. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that. But I think to really put in that type of work to, to grow your muscles in that form, I think is, that's cool to me. I just think it's cool. I look at someone that is jacked, I guess, and I'm like, you're a cool person because that took a lot. Mm-hmm. That took a lot of work. Yeah, and it's, it's one of the few things where you, you wear it proudly everywhere you go. Yeah, because you, you can't your, buy that. Mm-mm. You can't buy that. That takes time and hard work. So Exactly. 
Well, transitioning back into real estate, yeah, how do you manage both of those? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know, honestly, because if I sit and think about it, I'll go crazy. I just do it. Mm-hmm. Just. I know that sounds weird. I'm a queen of lists. If I don't have a list, I told you I need structure. So if I don't make a list for myself the night before, nothing will get done. Gotcha. So, well, then tell us a little bit about how you run your business and your business. Focus Ooh. more on the real estate side. Okay, so how I run my business. Well, I guess in the beginning, because any new agent you want whatever comes to you, right? But I was determined I was never going to do a rental and not for nothing for anyone that does rentals good for you. I just, that's just something that I just didn't want to do. I really wanted to focus on buying and selling. So when I was in real estate school, I started prospecting. That's how I started. And I was like, I'm getting my license. This is what I'm doing. Cause I figured that some time it would just catch up. Mm-hmm. So, but that's kind of what set me up for success. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'll tell you this. There's agents that have their license and they don't even prospect. So you prospecting before you even get it is oh, and I didn't even know what game. that was. I was just for me, I'm such an open book mm-hmm. and I'm just like, this is what I'm doing. Come join me. And I didn't know that what I was actually doing were planting the seeds for my success now. So that was cool. So I was prospecting while in, in school. But how do I run my business now? I'm really selective. I'm really selective because if I don't vibe with you, I don't want to work with you at all. So I have meetings with people and I can really test someone out on the phone. And if I want to work with them, great. If not, then they'll get uh, thrown to someone that I think they might be a better fit for. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm really, really selective now, which makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Because I think when I got into this industry of coming from entertainment and especially coming from burlesque dancing, mm-hmm. I was terrified of people judging me. Like, that was, like, my biggest fear. You know, here I am, blonde, heels, like, that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. And I was really trying to change myself for the business, and when I was doing that, I was not getting anywhere. I was, like, really upset, and I didn't understand. There was many times where I was crying in my bathroom floor. I didn't understand. And then I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to be exactly who I am. I'm going to not be anything else other than me. And that's when it just flourished. Yeah. It really did. Mm-hmm. Some days I show homes in yoga pants and some days I'll show homes in jeans and heels. That's just, it's just who I am. And everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. All my clients end up becoming my friends at the end of the like transaction, which is kind of crazy. But I think it's because I'm very selective with who I work with. So they're, they're all people that I would keep in my circle. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and do you think that is attributed to you? Cause you've won 40 under 40 award your second year, didn't you? I did. I did. That was crazy. I did. Yeah. And I won rookie of the year here. Uh, I was determined to win that thing, man. Oh man. I was, I was, yeah. You ran really in was. to win it. I was because here's the thing with anything that I do. If I have an end goal, I won't stop until I get there. And then I get there, but I also have like five years down the road, like, okay, what do I want to do? So in order to get there, I have to do A, B, C, and D and have some clout behind it to, uh, yeah, that's, that's huge that you actually break that down because a lot of people will set, you know, their five-year goal and then not break it down. But if you break it down and you see what you need to do to get there, then, then that five-year goal is easily obtainable. Absolutely. You know, it was always in our minds that Chris and I were going to team up and 
run a team. But that man is so busy, he doesn't have time to nurture the team. But and maybe and not the skill set either. He's great at certain things that I'm not good at. And I'm great at things that he's not good at. So we're a really good balance in that regard. So when we decided that we were just too busy to, you know, service the clients in the in the way that they deserved, we decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna actually start this team. And he said, okay, I want you to just take it and just do what you want to do with it. And I said, okay. So I was teaching these agents everything that he taught me on how to be successful. And that just kind of turned into three years now of like a huge binder of love that I give them. That's awesome. Do you you enjoy teaching and coaching? Yeah. That's really my passion. I didn't even really know until we started the team, that that was something that sets my soul on fire. It's really a good, I love it. That's awesome. What, do you have any future visions or goals on what you want to do with that? Yeah, I have hundreds. I have like hundreds of goals. I have my vision board right now. I have a, a microphone with a bunch of blurred out people in the background. So I really, I just want to speak to a lot of people on any type of in any type of way. Um, I like life coaching. Uh, I like business coaching. That's why I'm really excited to meet Satama. I'm really excited to meet him because he's he, he seems like a cool dude. He's changing a lot of your guys' lives. So Yeah, I'll tell you what, he's uh he's pretty inspirational and he's he's pretty real. So yeah. you get you get the you know, the beginning, the rock bottom, and the success now, and you get all the meat in between. See, you know, you know? that's what's so important, right? Because in real estate, or really in any business, right, but specifically real estate because that's what you and I do, mm-hmm. so many newer agents or so many people, all they see is the success. All they see is the nice cars. All they see is this, that, and the other thing. But they don't see the doors being slammed in our face. They don't see us getting fired or me crying on my bathroom floor hundreds of times wondering if this was the right choice for me. I mean, and, but here's the problem. No one talks about it. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so quick to put their highlight reel. I would love if, if people took a challenge and said, I, I want you to post your shittiest story. Tell me how you got here because that's way more motivational than your fancy car. It is. And that's the problem with our cultures and, and our media. It's so, here's the highlight. My life is so great. Everything's so great. Yeah. But, you know, and it's, yeah, you don't see that. You don't see, man, that the home inspection that revealed all this shit that killed your deal. Oh. And you needed that, you know, and yeah. so I can feel you on those. But nobody right. highlights that because everybody no. wants to portray their best. No, image. they want to say sold in four days, which, uh-huh. again, is hurting our market. Stop doing that, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Making it seem like our job is easy, easier yeah, than it is. Exactly. So. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so you want to get on stage and do, you know, big stages and speak to a lot of people. What are you doing in line now to kind of get to that point? Well, I built an entire academy for real estate, and it's called Empowered by Aaron. And it's really a huge book on how to do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. The first time, because so many times, and I did the same thing was I was wasting hours on YouTube looking at all this stuff. Okay. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? So it's everything that I've, I have done wrong and everything that I've done right. And then everything that Chris he's done 
he's been in real estate for six years now. So everything that we've kind of built together and it's just this pamphlet, there's three days and then the fourth day is really personal. It's really about life and um, we didn't talk about this because I don't know why, but um, when I was at the new school, University of New York, I had already fulfilled all of my major requirements for musical theater. So I had to take all the general. So I decided, I was like, oh, well, I really like the brain and how it works. So I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take some psychology classes. I didn't take just some psychology. I took five psychology classes in one semester. Really? I thought that was the greatest idea until I had to write 15 page papers. (laughs) Yep. Five times. But I loved it. I loved it so much I made it my second major. So I majored in musical theater and majored in psychology. So I have a degree in both. So I thought, okay, well, let me take this fourth day and make it all about your mind and how that works and how you're self-sabotaging yourself and how you're believing the lies that you tell yourself every freaking day. Listen, I'm not perfect. I lie to myself all the time. But if I'm going to lie to myself, why can't I do it in a positive way? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I'm with you there. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about because you make up these stories that you tell yourself and, you know, you tell yourself them so many times it becomes true. Yes. And do you know that that's actually uh, in psychology? If you, it's like uh, what, probably what serial killers do and people that actually like have crazy psychosis. If you tell yourself something enough times, it won't matter if it's true or not. It is true. Yeah. You, you fully believe it. A hundred percent. So that's kind of how, how that started. And I taught this academy uh, twice now, one to my team and once here offered at the brokerage. And I thought in my mind, I thought that they were going to like all the real estate stuff and they did. Their favorite day was the fourth day which was all about, I mean, we broke it down. I closed the door. I wrote closed class. No one can come in because I asked them, I said, my only thing for you is please be present. Whatever you decide to share will not leave this room. You're sounding a lot like Satema. Um, <laughs> well, that's a really nice compliment. Thank mm-hmm. you. Because you have to break it down that way. Mm-hmm. And when I did it with my team, I did it as the first day because they already know each other. Mm-hmm. And they actually didn't go as deep as I thought they would have. Um, but when I taught it here at the brokerage, we were all crying within the first 15 minutes. And there were stories that people were telling. And I was like, wow, am I equipped to handle this? Okay, here we go. Because they were so profound. And it was, it was really great. And at the end of the day, they said, I'm so glad I took this. This was my favorite day. Mm-hmm. So when they said that, I said, okay, do I make my coaching or whatever uh, about life? Do I, or is there a way to kind of intermix everything? And that's why I think Satema is so cool. And I'm like, oh man, this guy could be like uh-huh. my male counterpart. So I'm yeah. excited to meet him. Similar things too. Like when I went through the immersion process, it was, it was almost flipped. It was oh, like okay. you, you build up everything you go through and then you, you dump all your stories. But then he actually, you know, he's kind of had some dealings within the real estate industry, being in mortgage yeah, and everything yeah. and real estate investing for the crash. But he goes into like power selling techniques too. So what I like about him too, is he's like, yeah, I'll give you all the keys of marketing and stuff like that. But you know, it's, it's dual. 
So it's like the mindset and everything like you're you went over. Yeah. But it's also like, hey, I can I can give you some actually real practical things that you can go out and use right now in your business. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think a lot of times people will sell you on some kind of coaching or sell you on something some or snake oil. Yeah, some weird <laughs> crap that like is only surface level. Mm-hmm. And when you give surface level information, that's what you're gonna get back from mm-hmm. the where, you know, there you're just no value. Right. So I think, I mean, you're only as good as your last day or or whatever. So I think when, when people are ready to make a change and they're ready to do something, nothing's going to stop them from doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between motivation and determination. Right. Because, okay, yeah, I'm motivated. I want to do this. I want to make six figures a year. I want to do this, that, and the other thing. And when something sets them back, oh, no, that didn't work. Oh, that didn't work. I'm just going to give up. No. No. You, you can't do that. Exactly. I this is one of the things we go over in Emergent and Satema teaches is commitment. It's like yeah. commitment is, it's not when you feel like it. It's you're committed to this goal, determined to this goal. Yeah. Despite the thoughts, feelings, or emotions. Because there's days where I wake up and I'm ready to take over the world. It's easy to do things. But the days you wake up and, you know, yeah. hey, my car doesn't start or a flat tire or yeah. someone just you know, bitched me out or cut me off on the freeway or something. And it's like, despite of everything that's going on, like stay determined, stay committed. And no matter what you're going to achieve that. Yeah. There's always going to be things that are in your way Mm -hmm. and there's always going to be stuff that isn't comfortable, but that, but breaking through that is what makes it so much sweeter on the other side. Oh, a hundred percent. Cause then you could look back at everything you've done and all everything you've accomplished and, you know, that's, that's what I like, too, is I, I heard this when I was in Dallas at the VIP event. There was a couple of speakers there, but he was just like, you know, I look back and celebrate everything I've accomplished, and I'm grateful, but I'm always striving for more. So it's like yeah. being celebrating everything you've accomplished, but still striving to be the best. I you love know? that, and that's, that's fantastic. And what I also tell people is celebrate your failures mm-hmm. because, A, you're not going to do that ever again. And it led you to something different. So on the days where I don't feel like getting out of bed or getting, you know, in the shower and going on a meeting because, you know, every day is not sunshine and rainbows. It's just not. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not how life is set up. But you can celebrate the fact that, okay, hey, I get to go do this. This is what I chose to do. So it's it's really, that's where it all starts. Mm -hmm. It starts in your mind. It has to, you know. Exactly. Making that choice. I love talking about this stuff and I get to talk about it. I can it do it all, all day. day. Exactly. All day. But yeah, you know, and but I think it's it's up to the individual because like you said, you know, once they realize, you know, they need to make a change or start to kind of become self-aware because there's there's kind of two types of people. There's people who are okay with where they're at in life and doing their own thing and everything, but there's people that, you know, genuinely want to change yeah. and and be better and then it's crazy when you see people like, you know, just be completely open and be present like you were talking about. Like yeah. I had some experience in the immersion event where like people are like, we're around a couple of guys we don't even know. And, you know, we're starting to form a bond and stuff, but we're just letting everything out and being open and receiving the coaching and everything. And You have to do that in order for the process to work. And mm-hmm. I think it's, you have to do that in order for it to work for you because a lot of times we have these secrets within ourselves or these past experiences within ourselves that we don't deal with. 
Mm-hmm. It just sits in our subconscious, rotting or building or creating another lie. Or So when you essentially pour that out, it's not for anybody else to listen to. It's for you. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So on that, I actually want to touch on something. So okay. we're going through the immersion and we're going through, through the first couple of days and there's kind of like breaking points or points of revelation for a lot of people yeah. and they're getting emotional. There's a lot of tears and everything. And I'm like, I'm not getting emotional. Like what's going on? Yeah. And we, there's, you know, we carry our stories around. We represented that by hauling around a 60 pound sand. Yeah. Those bags, man. And that's supposed <laughs> to be the stories. But the crazy thing is when I cut that open and we dump it out, like I realized all the stuff I was holding on to about self, like um, things, experiences that happened in my past. Yeah. And like once I, I, cause I just push it back, let it fester, you know, like I said. you're a guy. Uh Uh-huh. So it's like. I mean, it's easier for you. I mean, women will tell you everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. And then once I like let go of all the past experiences and was able to, you know, let go of a lot of self doubt and, uh. Like, I lost it. Like, I'm not the most emotional guy, but I, like, was just bawling all the way down the hill. I bet. Mm -hmm. I watched your... The video? The video, yeah. And I was crying watching it. And I I didn't know the story of the sandbag. I mean, now I do. Mm -hmm. But I can kind of figure it out. And then watching you guys rip it open and dump it out. And then the aerial shot of all, what, eight of you guys? Yeah, with nine, yeah. Uh, nine. Yeah, I just watched I was like, oh, my God. And I, I mean, of course, given the background that I have, I'm like, okay, I understand the symbolism mm-hmm. of this. And watching you guys just opening it up and the video quality of that was just fantastic. And then Run For Your Life, that song's amazing. Uh, so it was, it gave me a lot of feels. I watched it like three or four times. Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times. It just brings a big grin and obviously brings me back to there. Um, But that's just something I recommend for everybody. Like, and it doesn't have to be Satema's event. No. But like hire a coach and get into that because it's powerful stuff. Like you don't know what you don't know. A hundred percent. Or you don't know what you're facing Mm -hmm. until it comes out. You know, I didn't, I started meditating and doing different, things like that. Uh, and I started this 28 day meditation challenge. I found it on YouTube kind of by accident. And it, it the opening sentence is like at, at the end of the, at the end of these 28 days, your life will change. And I said, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Within like the first week I was dealing with stuff that I didn't even know was an issue. And I said, Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do this. And it's kind of brought me to, I'm still within it still within the 28 days of doing it and it's really powerful it's really cool Mm -hmm. i shared it with jesse that's awesome i'll have to look into that you said the 28 day yeah yeah i'll show it to you when we're done here okay sweet yeah Yeah. i'll have to look at that because that's something uh, satama touched on a little bit in an immersion but i've kind of always been like you know like i understand meditation could be your own thing but like i could have like well meditation is when i go to the gym in the morning yeah it's kind of what i thought about it but it's hard because i'm a pretty high strung person i'm like gotta do this gotta gotta be busy gotta be doing stuff yeah. so it's hard to take a minute then you need to, it yeah like I do. desperately i can't do the music just not guided i can't do it because my thoughts continue to go mm-hmm. and so i need something in my ear telling me to breathe i know that sounds so silly but uh, or telling me to, to think, and I'm very visual. So uh, it's very easy for me to either be hypnotized or uh, be brought into a, a state of, of manifesting and uh, meditating. Mm-hmm. 
things like that. That's powerful. Um, so I don't know if if you've heard anything about this, but I've recently been like reading and doing some research on uh, some of the meditate, like manifesting that kind of stuff. Oh, and yeah. they said that your brain waves are different in the morning and then right before you go to sleep. Yes. And your brain's like more malleable, and you can like remap your brain. So those are yes. the times where you really want to listen and do some like. Uh, you know, some affirmations and that type of thing. Absolutely. So when you're actually dreaming at night, it's your subconscious coming alive. Mm-hmm. And so many people are afraid of their dreams because, you know, something is, you know, if you have a nightmare, but nightmares are actually there to protect you. And it's your subconscious is kind of works as your intuition. So you can't be afraid of things. And then there's other things that happen in your dreams where you're like, oh, well, kind of glad that happened or oh that's so weird that like why am i kissing that guy like Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean anything you have to kind of take your your dreams for that but it's your it's your subconscious coming alive and i always tell chris who doesn't remember anything of his dreams uh, i said put something by your bed put you know don't use your phone he hates using his phone um put a, a piece of paper a pen by your bed and when you wake up and you have this dream um write it down and then, you know, you can kind of look it up or figure it out. I studied dreams when I was in school. So now he asks me all the time, what does this mean? What does that mean? And I'm like, well, it depends on what psychologists we're going off of. Are we going off of Freud? Or are we going off of Jung? That's nuts. So let me ask you this then, because I had this reoccurring dream when I was growing up. And it's since past, I haven't had it in years, but it was the same exact reoccurring dream. Okay. And I'm in this like farmhouse and it's like triple level and it's surrounded by you know fields but it's like all plowed and ready to like plant the seeds but there's nothing growing but it's like totally ready to drop and i'm just there's no escape in this house i'm running and something's like i'm trying to like remember it because it's been so long since i had this dream okay but it's like the most terrifying and realistic dream i've ever had it's the same thing and i just can't escape something i think it's actually the most beautiful dream and i'll tell you why because i can i can tell you so okay so the the house a house in your dream represents yourself uh different parts of uh the, the house like the front door and things like that but what you said that caught my eye or caught my ears, I should say, is you were in this farm and this field and everything was ready, but it wasn't growing. So where were you? When did this dream start? I want to say around like 13, 14. Okay. When did it end? 16, 17. Okay. So three, four years you're having this dream. I would ask you what was going on in your life where you were you experiencing a big change in your life what were you trying to do in your life that you were planting the seeds for but you weren't seeing the outcome of what you wanted and you couldn't escape it that's what's interesting to me because you can't escape yourself that's what mm-hmm. i'm hearing so what was stopping you from letting your growth happen i wonder if it had to do with football because I was super invested in the football yeah, and I would get to a place where I would start to really make progress and something would set me back. So I wonder if it's something like that. Interesting. Cause like, um, senior year, like I really started like making plays and making things happen. Like I started like doing good and I make a play and I break my leg and I'm just uh-huh. like done. The rest of, like, football career is pretty much over. Um, and then that's around the time 
yeah, and then I like luckily walked on at a college, but I it's hard to think because that was such a because when I'm in high school I'm like playing football is my life. Of course. So I think it might have had something to do with that, but that's an interesting because I've never thought of like, okay, what is what are these things in my dream like really represent? Yeah, it's really fun. I think there's actually it's it's called a book of dreams, and everyone interprets it differently. Right. Uh, I, I don't like going. Of course, I use the psychologist as the base. Right. Well, Freud was very, you know, everything's black and white. Everything's phallic. Everything's. This mm-hmm. and, and then Carl Jung was uh, a psychologist who would really find the deeper meanings of things. So I gravitated towards that because not everything needs a penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. So. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I like exploring the deeper meaning and just keep digging deeper yeah mm-hmm. but that would be like if i was to hear and i'd want to know and then it's interesting that you said that the home was a tri-level so you know each layer of yourself because the house is representing yourself so and could you ever escape the house at all you just couldn't get out no i i could get outside the house but the funny thing and i think about it and i think back to the dream is i was always stuck on the main level i never went you to could never grow and i could never go downstairs well, there's your answer. The stuff outside would never grow, and you can never rise, or you can never, yeah, you know, I decrease can, yourself. I mean, there. Seems like I was like stuck. Where was I when you were from thirteen? To, I, I know. Exactly. I didn't know the answers then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might be off, but maybe you were uh, with Disney or something, <laughs> doing cruises. Oh gosh, that's another lifetime ago for me. Mm-hmm. But that part's fun for me, being able to do stuff like that. So, do you do you still like? reflect on your dreams a lot or do you keep like a dream journal i used to i had to do a whole paper on it uh but now i don't let my dreams scare me so i had a recurring theme there's a recurring dream and then there's a recurring theme uh that i was like being held up by at gunpoint Mm -hmm. and i thought that was interesting and it was always different on why i was like where i was and i actually was held up at gunpoint at one point in my life yeah so i don't know if i'd have to like go back onto the dream but i was convinced before i took these psychology classes that I was convinced that that's how I was going to die. Mm. It's easy <laughs> to make that. You know, yeah. Conclusion. I was like, okay, that's it. That's how I'm going. What a terrible way to go out, but at least it's quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So now I will, you can actually train yourself to dream at night too. So now I'm probably just going to sound nuts, but sometimes uh, I'll have dreams like Chris and I talk about where we're going to move next and our our forever house and our forever home we think at this moment is you know going to be in the ridges something that we built and we talk about it often and uh and the other night i had a a dream about what the house looked like and i thought that was so cool and i and i woke up and i was like i told i i this was this and this is how this looked and i i didn't i didn't understand the rest of the home i said i have to ask to see it again and he goes, what do you mean you have to ask to see it again? So if you want to dream about something in particular, when you shut off everything at night um, and close your eyes, ask, like awaken your subconscious and say, okay, I need answers on this or I want to think about this. And, and you can really start to train your subconscious to mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't doubt that for a second. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. Now I sound nuts. <laughs> no, it's... And that's what I challenge a lot of people to do is be more open-minded because we kind of have our, yeah. like, view on reality. Yeah. But uh, saying I like a lot is perception is reality. My Absolutely. reality is different than yours. Then, totally. You know, 
So I just like to encourage people to be open, like, because you never, you don't know what you don't know, and so yeah, I'm like, now I'm gonna go try that and just try it on for myself, yeah, you know. It's, it's sometimes it takes some time. Yeah. And then if you don't be discouraged if you don't remember your whole dream. Mm-hmm. Sometimes remembering parts of the dream are okay. And then you can kind of piece it together. Or sometimes I won't wake up and I, I won't remember what it is. But then like I'll be in a meeting and I'll say, oh, my gosh. It'll click, huh? Something okay. And then I'll you. write it down. So I, I encourage. And then, of course, anyone who is an entrepreneur, you might wake up in the middle of a dream and have a kick-ass idea. Write it down. Write it down. Those dreams are telling you something for a reason. They're not just there to, you know, make you fly and see unicorns. And yeah. Because I mean, those are fun, too. Yeah. But I'm definitely going to pay more attention to my dreams now. Now that I think it. of ones, recurring ones I had is losing my teeth, which I feel like is very common, and yes. then breathing underwater. I have... Oh, what an interesting gift. <laughs> I was like, I had a lot of dreams where I'm underwater and I can breathe fine. So losing your teeth... That can mean so many different things, but uh, the one that I would say for you is when, you, when you're losing your teeth in a dream, it's generally a big change has happened in your life. Mm-hmm. So I would ask you to think about what big change or big idea that you had uh, in, in your life that you were going through that was kind of making you a different person. That would make sense because I've gone through a lot of big changes, you know, yeah. from going to college and then football and all these other things happening coming here doing my career school so we should interview you i know i feel like i'm being interviewed now. right now <laughs> yeah. sorry i didn't no, mean to good. flip it on you <laughs> no this is awesome but what do you do you have any insights on like the underwater thing no but now i want to go back to my book i'm gonna let you know breathing underwater what because i've always had this kind of fascination and are you into astrology at all oh yeah i mean i'm a girl so yeah <laughs> I, i'm kind of into it a little bit too so i'm i'm a pisces like a, i'm a no water wonder sign. i vibe with you uh, okay what are you i'm a libra oh okay okay so like i've been getting more and more into this because i thought about it for a sec i was like gemini is who i surround myself with the most wow my dad my mom my roommate and my girlfriend are all gemini's god love you it's it's just weird, but it's Do like you I see two faces when you see them. Some some of them. Oh yeah, my whole family nah. is Gemini too, and I'm like I can't with you people. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, which, what am I gonna get now? But yeah, but I think that's cool, and I wonder if like me being a Pisces, um, you know, we're attributed to being more emotional, kind of creative and stuff. But I wonder if the water sign, like, because I've always had this weird obsession with like the ocean, and like animals in the ocean but i've always been like terrified of being out in the ocean so i don't know like how that's i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look it up stay tuned all right yeah we'll do a second (laughs) episode we'll do a whole you should just do a whole podcast on like psychology and dreams that would be so i could talk about this all day long and it's actually something that no one really knows about me Mm -hmm. because i like to you know have platinum blonde hair and wear high heels but yeah it's it's really a fun uh I could talk about that all day. And I love the brain. Anything about the brain, I will read any book. And I, I encouraged Chris to read this this book about the brain. And he goes, oh, my gosh, I had no idea it's about all this stuff. Crazy goes stuff. On. Yeah. And it's like we're so wrapped up in our own heads. We don't even know, like, what there is to learn out there, you no. know. It's, this blows my mind. Do you know that a man's brain is not developed until the age 24, like fully developed? I knew something like that i thought it was 21 though because i thought that was like the reasoning behind 
the <laughs> drinking limit or something. Oh, I don't know about that, but uh, from what I've read, it's 24. Really? Fully developed at 24. Now, you probably need a couple of extra years if you start drinking at 21. <laughs> oh, man. What if I start drinking a little bit younger than that, hypothetically? I think we all, I think we all did. Let's just uh, yeah. call it what it is. But what? So, what's the last part of the brain to form? I think I've heard it before. That I don't remember. Uh, but your 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 prefrontal cortex is in the front, mm-hmm. and that's where all your judgment is uh, is formed. And in the back is your occipital lobe, and that is actually connected to your eyes. Really. And that's why they say you have eyes in the back of your head. That's interesting. And then there's your amygdala, which uh, that's where all your emotions and mm-hmm. things are stored. So if you ever watch any type of like serial killer shows, which are always good, uh, you could they don't have any like brain activity in oh the really? amygdala. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel so smart today. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. I'm learning a, a bunch. Yeah, and then there's your temporal lobe, which is obviously on the sides of your head. That's awesome. What do you think about the uh, the pineal gland? The what? Pineal gland. Pineal gland. Or, well, let me. I'm like, is this a gland I don't I know. know about? I'm like, oh, I feel so smart. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, am I thinking of the? Unless it's the pituitary, pituitary gland. It's it's it's. I think they're like, they're right next to each other. Now, now I'm kind of confusing myself, but I know one of them like is super active when you're younger. So the pineal gland is supposed to be like your the, your third eye, basically what they oh. say. And what the, and what they say about it is, um, I, and I'm no expert on this. I could be. Well, wrong. neither am I. I'm not sitting <laughs> here with a PhD, man. But <laughs> uh, it's super active, and you know, children and stuff. And as we get older, it actually solidifies, like kind of just turns to stone. But it's it's next to the pituitary gland. Um, it's and looking at it up here, it you know produces melatonin and serotonin, like yeah. You All know, of the fun sleep hormones. cycles and stuff, uh huh. But I was wondering about your your take on that. But I would I would encourage you to look into that more because there's a lot of cool that. stuff. So what do you mean as far as like my take on it? Like, do I think it's actually like like it is does l- all that stuff? Well, a lot of the scientific stuff it's easy to prove yes or of no. Course. But there's a lot of like history back end behind it. Like, uh, I don't want to say psychic stuff. I'm probably not painting the best picture, but like, oh, a lot do of, I like, believe in like and like psychic abilities or? Is that, if yeah, that's I, I do want to know if that. If that's now. what you're asking <laughs> me, then 100 percent I do. Yeah, I really do. I think we actually all have the ability to be. Well, first of all, we all have intuition. Mm-hmm. A woman's intuition is much stronger than a man's. That's why we always know when y'all are cheating on us. <laughs> uh, but um, oh yeah, I fully believe that. I have some weird ideologies about this stuff where people really think I'm far out there, but that's okay. Um, I feel like at some points in time that I can connect with my loved ones, uh, specifically my grandmother. She talks to me all the time and I ask her to talk to me, but she comes to me in like very weird ways. She comes through my thoughts. Um, so if I'm ever having any type of qualm about something, I'll say I'm going to ask my grandmother. If I can't find my damn keys, I ask my grandmother. Chris thought I was crazy until he lost something or he wanted questions on something. I was like, ask my grandmother, ask Janet. And he was like, I'm not going to, I said, ask Janet, I swear she'll answer it for you. And he goes, okay. And he found out whatever he needed to find out. 
I know it sounds bananas, but yes, I believe in it. I believe that uh, you can see ghosts if you want to. Uh, but I, th- I feel like that is something, if it's a gland that's going to help you stop from seeing things or letting yourself just really truly live in the moment, then sure, I believe in that because people will stop themselves from, people will believe whatever they want to believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, you know, your intuition is like, um, a skill set or like a muscle. If you oh, don't yeah. use it, you lose it, right? 100%. And I feel like people get wrapped up in a lot of the logical, that doesn't make sense, or not listening to their intuition, yeah. not trusting their gut. But I feel like that's something you really have to nurture to get the most out of. Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times does a, a mom call a son or a daughter and says, are you okay? And you haven't talked in like a couple days or something, and something is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So that, you can't deny that. You it's, know, yeah, you just can't. And I have that with my, my closest. I keep again, I keep my circle small. So anytime I know when something is wrong with one of my friends, I'm that connected to them. I'll call them. I said, what's wrong with you? And they're like, how do you know? Because I feel it. You know, who's really big into that, too, is uh, Lacey. I know we could talk about hours about her. Mm-hmm. She came into my office in Summerlin and we talked, I think, for like two and a half hours about stuff like this. And then I wanted her to like do a reading on me, but then I was too scared at the time. Yeah, I didn't, that's, I didn't that's scary know. stuff. I've has has she read you? Stuff. No, I, I talked to her about it because she was on the podcast and yeah. we did a long episode and we started getting into a lot of the same things we are, like astrology and everything. And, yeah. And then, yeah, I, I wanted to do a reading because she was saying some like comments to me that I was like, wow, that's actually pretty accurate. She's crazy accurate. She's crazy oh. accurate. I, I should hire her. But you know what? It takes a lot out of you mm-hmm. because depending on what type of medium you are or what you're doing, uh, it doesn't matter because you're kind of disconnecting yourself and asking. Be, yeah, know, being the, the vessel. So, oh, mm. yeah, I'm obsessed with that stuff like Hollywood medium, Long Island medium. Yeah, I think that stuff is so cool. And it's I think you really got to like listen and, and be open to that stuff. You have to. And there's a lot of scammers out there, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh I don't like when if I go into a reading and they're like, I, I won't wear my rings. I'll be very like played down. Do you know what I've really wanted to do? And this is a weird thing about me that I don't tell a lot of people. Okay, well, I'm, I'm I always want to get know. my palms red. Yeah. Because look, so look at your. Let me see your palm. Which one? Just either of them. Okay. Okay, you see how your mine goes straight across. Everybody else's goes down and up. They never connect. Mine connect on both my hands. Well, maybe you're just cooler than we are. Well, I actually had a anatomy class, and I asked um, the teacher because I just came up and I was like, I came up in a lecture or something. I'm like, so why do my palms go straight? Because one's supposed to be life, and one's supposed to be like something else, and they're supposed to be. Which um, one is life? I don't remember. Well, Tyson, come on. I know, but they're not. (laughs) They're not supposed to connect. Oh. Um, but here's the thing: is this is actually really common in two subjects of uh humans one is people with down syndrome okay which i don't have two is one people with really old mothers that have um like mothers older mothers so say like a mother had a baby in their 40s or 50s that's really common but the thing is is my mother had me at 16 and i don't have down syndrome so there's no reason why i should have this but i wanted to go get my palms red yeah because i think i i've always been obsessed with why is my palms different than everybody else's have you googled it 
<laughs> well, I'm going to pull something up. You know, because Google has the answer to everything, clearly. But it do has your palms do that? I think you're just special, Tyson. Something, yeah. like, And it's all about the way you like when you're a baby uh, form. That's crazy. I think he's just special yeah. in the best way. Look, you're different. You don't want to be like everybody else. Having only... Yeah, see, this is... Yeah, yeah, see. Having only a single palmar crease, once known as a simian crease, might indicate abnormal development. Is sometimes present in babies with conditions such as Down syndrome. Um, the thickness and number of creases in your palm also depends on factors such as family history and race. And but yeah, I uh, I kind of went off. Which one is the life? Because if this is the case, I have a very short one. Yeah, that's what something is supposed to be like. But then both of them, which was very interesting, they both uh, like it doesn't just end; it goes like one way, and it's interesting. Uh-huh. I kind of have like a. You see. And then, yeah, yeah. So it usually curls off and tilts, but mine's just like straight across. And it's across. very prominent. Very prominent. So huh. it's, it's Everyone look at your hands now because I, I know you are. Exactly. <laughs> I, got a, I got a piece of lead. I stabbed myself with a pencil. I still have a piece of lead in my, I've well, never been able be to do that. very safe. No, probably not. <laughs> but besides the fact that I just thought it would be cool to like go get my palms red and I just, I'm like into that stuff, you know. Me too. So. I love it. I love anything like that. What a gift. What we're going to do is we're going to have a podcast where Lacey does some readings on us and stuff. Oh, I'm so excited. She's really a special soul. Mm -hmm. I like her a lot. I do like her a lot. Well, we've been doing this for quite a while, and I have a new segment to kind of finish off. Um, Rapid fire. Oh, (laughs) my God. Okay. So actually before that, I, there's a question that came up, but I didn't want to derail the conversation. What is a typical day in the life of me? Yes. Oh gosh. Explain like when you wake up, what, like as detailed (laughs) as you can about the average day for you. Well, it depends on the day. Okay. Because every day is different for me, but, uh, like, is it a cooking day or a not cooking day? Because uh, I meal prep all of our stuff, of course. But I'll just give you like a generic. Let's say it's Monday because those are my busiest days. So I will wake up before Krista's, which gives me the lovely gift of picking up whatever uh, mess our animal has done on the floor. So I will wake up and I do not check social media for like two hours. Smart. It's the first thing. I, I took it actually off my phone. I did a digital detox and that was like the best thing ever. Do it for yourselves, people. Uh, I'll check my email, but I won't answer anyone until 9 a.m. So like the first couple hours of my day, I usually wake up at 7, 7.30. Uh, they're for me. Otherwise, I'm going to be really, really shitty for all of you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I will grab a Red Bull because I don't drink coffee. Sugar-free. And, uh, and then I'll take all my medicines and the 5 million vitamins that I take throughout my day. And then I'll sit down and I'll watch YouTube videos. Cause I love that. Whether it's on fitness or on LM, just something that makes me happy. So I'll watch YouTube videos and then I'll, I'll make my breakfast and, uh, check in with the big guy, make sure he's good. And, um, yeah, then I'll make sure that his schedule is good and my schedule is good. I'll try and figure out what's going on with that. Check in with the team in the morning. Make sure they're good. And then I'll start my follow-ups. Uh, then I'm on Facebook. And I'm looking. But I'm on Facebook strategically. I'm not just scrolling to see what your political 
moments are for that day. I'm strategically strolling for or scrolling for clients that have had some kind of uh, monumental moment, whether it's an anniversary, a birthday, new job, they've left a job, a divorce, something like that. And then I'll call those people and then I'll send them a gift uh, from like Amazon or something. If someone's sick, I'll send them cold medicine. Uh, just a personal touch for a client. Uh, yeah, so I'll do that. Uh, and then I will, yeah, start my follow-ups and then uh, emails, calling other agents, doing all the other, you know, all the stuff that no one sees. All the behind the scenes. All the nitty-gritty stuff. Um, requests for repairs. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Yeah, and then uh, usually at 3.30 is my training hour. So I'll go train with my coach. Um, and I, and I said it like that and I have a coach because I need someone to keep me accountable. Mm -hmm. Otherwise my ass will be on the couch watching the real housewives of some kind of show. Mm -hmm. And usually my day, because I start so early and because I only work with a small amount of people, I can end my day pretty much there at about three 30. And that's why I get up early because I don't want to work till five. Chris will, mm -hmm. but I won't, I don't like doing that unless I have to. Uh, so yeah, then I'll go to the gym. Of course I've eaten 15 times throughout yeah. all of the, all of these, um, days. And then I'll do some errands if I need to, or do, uh, get a lockbox if Chris needs me to do that or, you know, whatever. I usually will try to help him out too. Mm -hmm. And then in between all of this, I have, I'm answering questions from, of course, agents on our team. They are the only ones that don't have to follow the 9am to 5pm rule. Those are my business hours. Mm, gotcha. They can pretty much get me at any time. If I'm teaching a class and they walk in, I'll stop what I'm doing. And help them. Uh, because they're the most important. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of that. And then I'll, I'll come home and figure out what Chris is doing, if he needs any help on anything, which most of the time he does if it's social media something, if he doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, or he's really, I'm so proud of him, starting to get into like proper forms of prospecting. And I think it's because I've been teaching so much. He's like... Maybe I should do what you tell me to do. And it's working for him. So it's good. So he's starting to do like the active farm and sending out emails. And then I'll listen to his ideas a lot because he has a lot of them. That's awesome. So, yeah, we'll just kind of mastermind. And right now, because we're at the end of the year uh, and agents tend to take a lot of time off, uh, I am starting to think about what I want my 2020 to look like and how I want to go more into coaching. So, um it's a lot of lists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a list girl. So, yeah, I mean, my day is kind of boring, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I'm not I, – I, I, every day is different, but uh, my phone's always ringing with some kind of drama. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's being a realtor, every, every day is different, and we're yeah. either on the phone or in the car, seems like. I know. I know, which is why I, I got to teach a class on, like, how to form healthy habits. Yeah, that'd be good. Because it gets really easy to go through the drive-thru. Oh, it sure does. Just something quick and easy. And because we're always in the car. Mm -hmm. Every time. That's why I don't put people in my car anymore. Because mm -hmm. half the time I'm throwing down some kind of food. Or I'm yelling at someone on the phone. Or I'm nice to someone on the phone. Hopefully I don't have to yell. <laughs> I don't bring her out often. But when I do, she's not very nice. Yeah. Some, some <laughs> people need that, though. Oh, yes. Exactly. Well... Before we get to the the rapid fire, 
Um, I do appreciate you being on. I um, feel like we can, we'll probably have to have a follow up episode. Thanks for having um, me. This was fun. Sometime. Cause I feel like we can, there's still a lot of things we didn't touch, but I'll ask you a couple of these questions okay. and we'll just go as, as rapid as fire. Yeah. Ooh, All right. Okay. I'm reading off a list, so I'm not that original. Oh, that's okay. Uh, what, what color is your toothbrush? White and blue. If you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Unicorn, because why not? They're magical. Who is your favorite superhero and why? Oh, I wasn't really like a superhero type of person. Uh, but if I was going to pick one, probably Wonder Woman because she's a freaking badass. Amen. <laughs> Who do you admire the most? Oh. Oh, shit. Uh, who do I admire the most? You know what? Probably my husband. Really? Yeah, he, he's going to like have a soft spot for that moment, but he's a really, really good person. I'm going to have to get him on the podcast. Oh, yeah, he would love that. His story's insane. Awesome. I'll definitely he have like to. three hours. Awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll set aside a day for that. If, if a movie was made of your life, who would play you? Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Are you a morning or a night person? Neither. Well, no, that's not true. I'm early uh, to rise, early to bed. Gotcha. Describe yourself in three words. Uh, magical, uh, strong, and generous. What is one of your weird quirks? <laughs> My weird quirk? I have so many. Uh, ooh. Oh my gosh. Sorry, but you're going to have to edit a lot of stuff right here. <laughs> uh, just like something like weird that I do. Something weird maybe you do or thing you... Yeah. I love to like give a performance in my car. I don't think that's weird though. I think, I think that's fucking that. cool. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. All right. Uh, what is the worst job you can have? The one that you're not passionate about. It's mm, a good answer. On a scale of one to ten, how cool are you? Twelve. Twelve. Nice. <laughs> awesome. I think very highly of myself, of course. Of course, I'm lying to myself positively right now. No, that's good, though. It's good to be uh, confident and certain in who you are but and remove the ego as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. What is the first thing you notice about the opposite sex? Physically? Probably their eyes. Their eyes? Yeah. What's the best podcast on the planet? <laughs> Loyal to the soil. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we'll do one more. Um some of these are getting dumb. I like yeah. dumb questions. There actually are no dumb questions. If you can swim in any liquid, what would it be and why? Ooh, liquid gold. Nah, that's a good one. Because what a photo shoot that would be. <laughs> oh, oh, I got one more question, okay. actually. If you had access to a time machine, where and when would you go? Oh, now it's like you're in our house. This is like what we talk about at dinner. Um I would probably go back in time because I don't want to go into the future because that's just, you would change things about yourself now. I'd probably go back to the time where I was very young and gave no Fs about anything. Really? Or that my first gut answer was to go back to when my grandparents on my mom's side met because they were like high school sweethearts. Perfect love story. Yeah. Well, not perfect. Perfectly imperfect, I should say. But um, yeah, I'd like to see how, how they lived. That's awesome. Well, with that being said, um, we'll close it out here. Um, 
I'll have a plug to your to your information. Okay. Um, basically, your social media profiles. We've Which I'm really is. never on because I do these digital digital detoxes, but I do check them every so often. Yeah. So she'll check them. Follow her. Um, obviously, if you're looking for a home in Las Vegas, I prefer you would go to me. But, <laughs> um, Why not? We'll just go together. We'll, exactly. We can just team we'll, up. We'll, we'll both take care of you. <laughs> so other than that, I really appreciate you being on. And Thanks and for having podcast. me. It was super fun. Thank you so much for your support and watching and liking our videos. Please don't forget to subscribe and also follow our Facebook page, Loyal to the Soil Dash Podcast. Thank you very much. It's very much appreciated.